Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Good afternoon. If you, uh, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, open up to John chapter 10. And if you don't, don't worry about it. We have a big one on the screens. And I'm uh, going to preach a, a, a brief and, and simple message today. But John chapter 10, it, uh, it says this. John chapter 10 says a lot, but we're going to start from verse 16. And it says, I, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. It says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And then he says again, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the, the opportunity to be in your house today. We could be anywhere this afternoon, oh God, but Lord, we're found in your house surrounded by your people, oh God, and we're grateful for that, oh God. And so God, we thank you that your house, it's a, it's a safe house, oh God. It's a welcoming house, oh God. And God, we ask that the way that we came in today would not be the way that we leave. Lord, that we would leave change, that we would leave encouraged, that we would leave built up, oh God, so that we could be sent out, oh God. So God, speak to us today. We love you and we thank you. If, if you believe it today, say amen. 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 So John chapter 10, before, this, before what we read, um, just to give you a little bit of context, in John chapter 10, there are two I am statements that Jesus makes. This is the second one. He says, I am the good shepherd. But right before that, he says, I am the door or I am the gatekeeper. And that means that the way to God is through who? Through Jesus. He says, without me, you can't get to God. But with me, you have access to the Father. And what that means is that if you want access to God, it's not contingent upon a church or contingent upon your circumstances. You having access to God means do you have Jesus in your life? And Jesus is the door to that. And then after that, he says, he says I'm the door, I'm the way, I'm the gatekeeper. And then after that, he talks about a thief. And he says, there's a, there's a thief coming for you. And that thief... He has a threefold mission for your life. The thief comes to, to steal from you. The thief comes to kill you. And the thief comes to destroy any piece of legacy that you might leave behind. And so he says, there's a thief that's around. And he says, be ready for that. 
And you know, when I, when I think about that, just this is the, these are the verses right before John chapter, right before what we read in verse 11. And I want to encourage you to go home today and, and read John chapter 10. There's a lot in there and it's encouraging. And when Jesus is talking about that thief, I, when I think about a thief, I think, man, if there's a, there's a thief coming, then I got to be ready for it, right? I mean, if there's a thief coming, I, I don't have... I don't have time to, to play games with my faith. There's a thief coming. I don't, have, I don't have time to waste. There's a thief coming. I don't have time to be, to be angry. There's, there's a thief coming. I don't have time for unforgiveness or bitterness. Why? Because there's a thief coming. I, I, I have to study my word. I, I have to be, be filled up. Why? Because there's a thief coming. And sometimes that thief is, is waiting for you at different points. And, and you think, man, that's, that's a lot of bad news today. There's this thief, but how many of you know when there's a, the reason that we're even here and the reason we look at this passage is, yeah, there's a thief coming, but guess what? There's a shepherd coming too. There's a shepherd that's right there and he's waiting for you. And I want to preach a message real quick today called the good shepherd. And in this, you know, it's funny, anytime I've heard this, um, I've, I've read this passage or I've heard this passage read, I, I think the good shepherd, and I think, man, I think that's kind of like selling it short a little bit. You know, like I see that, I'm like, good shepherd. Well, if, if God is so good and Jesus is so good, wouldn't he be like the great shepherd? Wouldn't he be the awesome shepherd? Wouldn't he be the excellent shepherd? Wouldn't he be the perfect shepherd? But the good shepherd is perfect, and here's why. The good shepherd, it speaks to to all the shepherds that were types of Christ in the Old Testament. Abel was a shepherd, and he's considered the righteous shepherd. Uh, Jacob was a shepherd, and he was considered the, the resourceful shepherd. Moses was a shepherd, and he was considered the returning shepherd. David was a shepherd. He's considered the royal shepherd. And Jesus is all of that wrapped into one, and that's why he is the good shepherd. He's not a good shepherd. He has all of the goodness wrapped into one. He is the good shepherd. That, that uh, what, the, what the passage literally translates is that I am the shepherd, the good one. If you actually translate it from the original language, it's not just I am the good shepherd. I am the shepherd, and then he makes this clarification, the good one. And this shepherd he came, and he's good, and he came for us. I, uh, I was listening to an, to an interview the other day um, with the, the tennis great John McEnroe. And John McEnroe was, was kind of crazy and known for it. He was nicknamed the brat because he would just, he would argue with officials, and he would throw his racket. But they were interviewing him, and, um, but they also say that he was the, the most competitive and, and one of the most talented ones and one of the most successful and they asked him about one of his rivals. And, uh, and when they asked him about his, his rival, he kind of, it felt like he started to kind of to insult his rival. He said, man, I'll tell you what, that guy wasn't close to being the most talented guy I ever played, with, played against. And he said, well, he was big, right? And he said, yeah, he was big, but kind of big for nothing. Like, he wasn't athletic. You know, he was big, but he wasn't athletically imposing. He wasn't, and, and he was slow, and, and he, he's kind of like laying into this guy. And so the, then the interviewer says, well, how come he won uh, 
you know, six, uh, six championships or, or whatever it was. And he said, because that guy had the one thing that I wish I had. And he said, every time that he played, every match that he played, every serve that he volleyed against, he said he acted as if it was his last. He said, that guy, he plays for keeps. And you know what? Jesus, the good shepherd, he has a whole lot of sheep, but every single one of us, he, he plays us for keeps. He doesn't let a single one go astray. He keeps and he holds on to every single one. He has his eye on every single one. If you, no matter what your background is, no matter where you came from today, no matter what you did yesterday, you walked into this building because Jesus has his eye on you. He is a good shepherd. And Jesus, he, he keeps his sheep. He keeps his sheep. But how does he keep his sheep? I want to lay out just three quick, three quick ways that God keeps us as sheep. And the first one is that God, the good shepherd, provides for his sheep. The good shepherd provides for his sheep. It says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, this is different than in the Old Testament because in the Old Testament, sheep were sacrificed for the shepherds. Sheep were sacrificed at the altar. Sheep, sheep's blood were put on the doors so that, so that they would pass over the homes of the people. Sheep were sacrificed for the shepherd. But here, Jesus says, no, no, no. I've come to give you a different way of thinking. I have laid down my life for the sheep. I, here's the gospel. He says, I have provided my life for the sheep. We have a debt of sin. God is a perfect God. He's a just God. So he can't accept sin and, and he can't be in fellowship with sin. But Jesus came so that he could erase that debt because he was perfect. He said, I'm the only one who's perfect. I'm the only one who can give my life. And so I'm going to lay my life down so that they can have access to God. And his provision is the one that gives access to God. The good shepherd, he provided for his people. That is the greatest provision in all, the, in all of history. But here's the thing. A lot of times we can accept that provision and we can say, okay, Jesus did that for me. But what else did he do for me? And here's the thing. If God, if Jesus as the good shepherd provided that for you, how many of you know Jesus the good shepherd wants to provide in every other little area of your life? If Jesus, if, if God provided as the good shepherd, Jesus, and he laid down his life for us, then how will he not give us the other desires of our hearts that match up with his will? How will he not, how would he not lead us and, and guide us and give us divine wisdom and direction? And that's what a shepherd does. A shepherd, he corrals his sheep and he guides them to, to where they need to go. And You know, even if you look at John chapter 10, there's, there's a thief and there's a shepherd, but then there's sheep, and, and we're the sheep. And if you read that initially, sometimes if you have a certain frame of mind, sometimes that can be discouraging because sheep are really, really smart. No, sheep are considered, sorry to break it to you, the dumbest animals that there are. They're not, they're not smart. 
They're not super intelligent. There are some animals that are, that are really smart and really intelligent. And sheep, unfortunately, are not one of them. There are a lot of different metaphors and, and, and pictures in the Bible about uh, in, 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 in nature and in animals. And, and it says that the people of God, they'll, they'll, they'll run like gazelles. And, and the people of God will be strong like a lion. But, then, but here, it's the people of God are sheep. And they're not very smart to say it nicely. Another thing about sheep is, is they have terrible, terrible vision. Now, they can see, but they can't see right in front of them. And the little bit that they can see right in front of them, they can't tell how close or how far it is. Sheep can see, but they can see, they have good peripheral vision. And so sheep can see what's going on way to the left or way to the right, but what's in front of them, they can't see. And when they can see it a little bit, they can't tell how near or how far it is. And isn't that like us a little bit? That Jesus, sometimes he'll give us a little glimpse of something, and we'll say, well, God, I don't really trust you for that because it seems like it's a long way off. But God sometimes says, no, I just want you to take one step because it's really a lot closer than you think. Or sometimes... God will put something in front of us and say, hey, just take this step or just walk this way. But our peripheral gets in the way and we start to see things on the sides that don't really matter so much. But our attention grabs it and we start to go this way. And God says, no, no, I wanted you to go that way. And then what happens with sheep is the reason that they wander is they see peripheral. And so they see peripheral and they say, oh, I see that. I'm going to go follow that. And then as they're walking and as they're wandering, then they see something peripherally. And then they say, oh, I'm going to go here. And then they see the proof, oh, I'm going to go there. And it's literally, that's why sheep are literally wanderers. They go nowhere without purpose. The other thing is that sheep are stubborn. We'll just leave it there. But how many of you guys know that's, that's a bad combination? Not all that smart. You can't see, but you're really stubborn about it. And the last one is that sheep will literally eat themselves to death. That if they're not stopped, they'll eat grass and eat grass and eat grass, and they'll literally eat until they die. And you know, sometimes... We won't spend a lot of time on this, but sometimes we can take a good thing and we can overload ourselves with it. And it takes us away from what God wants us to do. A lot of times we can just start to fill ourselves and fill ourselves and fill ourselves. And now we're so distracted or so overfilled that we have forgotten what God has said to us or what God has wanted us to do. Or we've forgotten the promises of God. We get distracted by the consumption of the flesh. And so, sheep, you say, well, that's not really all that encouraging. But here's the encouraging part, is that as sheep, you say, even on your worst day, I have a shepherd 
that promises to provide for me. I have a shepherd that promises to guide me. I have a shepherd that knows a whole lot better than I do. I have a shepherd that can see a whole lot better than I do. I, can, I have a shepherd who can humble me and who can bring me close and he can lead me through. Psalm 23. Psalm 23 says, David says, the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd, and because of that, I lack nothing. They're not independent clauses. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, and because of that, I'll never have a lack. I'll never be in need of anything. And so when you say, God, when you say, good shepherd, you're my provider, you're saying, God, you're my shepherd, Jesus, you're my shepherd, and because of that, I'll never be in a place where I am in need. Because you're providing every step of the way. Here's what David was saying. He's saying that as long as Jesus is my shepherd and I am under his direction, then every other thing is going to get taken care of. You see, the Bible says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And so what, what, what happens is that David is saying, the Lord is my shepherd, so as long as I stay in line with him, he's going to order my steps. And as long as my steps are ordered, then God, who orders the steps of the righteous, he's not going to forget that. He's not going to forget that I'm there. And so I can, be, I can trust and I can be confident that wherever I go, wherever I find myself, whatever circumstance I'm in, God is going to provide for me as long as I stay in those steps. Because where he places me, he's not going to forget about me. He's going to provide everything that I need to do his will and to go where he wants me to go. What we really have to do is draft off the good shepherd. What does that mean? What does draft mean? Well, I used to like really be into, I used to try to really be into cycling. Um, and, and so I had a road bike and, I, and I'd go out and, and we go out and, um, and I, real, or I found out that you could be going on, like let's just be honest. Um, when I would go out on my road bike, I wanted to be the fastest, strongest rider that there was. And so at first, if somebody was like coming up behind me and started passing me, I'm like, oh, I'm racing this guy. He thinks he, thinks he can get behind me, right? But then I found out, if that guy's going, just fall in line behind him. Because what, that, what he does is he blocks most of the wind resistance. And now you can fly. And sports physicists literally say that you spend half, 50% of the energy that you would have, but going the same speed. And so we would go out, and, and, and Pastor Matt would, would be riding with us. And I would love to ride with Pastor Matt because he would, he would block the wind. And I promise you, I would, I would, I would go like 20% of, the, of, of my, my energy. And I'd still just be riding along with him. The good shepherd says, hey, just fall in line with me, and I'm going to take you to places that are far better than, I, than you could ever get to on your own. Say, I'm going to take you there, and I'm going to take you there faster. And you're not going to have to spend a whole lot of energy if you're in your life and you're saying, man, i got to get better, or i got to strive to be closer to Jesus, or, or man, this thing, I'm really failing, and I'm just, I'm just trying, and I'm hitting my head over a wall. Jesus is saying, no, just fall in line with the good shepherd. It's not about trying, it's about coming close. So 
The good shepherd, he says, I'm going to provide for you every step along the way. I'm going to, sometimes that provision is material. Sometimes it's spiritual. Sometimes it's emotional. Sometimes it's directional. And he says, I'm going to provide this step for you. And I'm going to provide this step for you. Um, I, I overheard, I was eavesdropping, and Pastor Matt and, and Brother Bossy, they were talking. And Pastor Matt said that he was at a, a stage in his life that he was, he was needing breakthrough. And, and he read the verse that, uh, that the young lions, they'll go hungry, but those who seek the Lord, they will lack no good thing. And he said, as he read that, faith started to well up and he started to pray. And then after he started to pray, in the next few weeks, God just opened door after door after door that literally changed the course of his destiny of the rest of his life. And for us today, we can just say, God, I just want to be a sheep. I just want to fall in line with the shepherd. And God, you're going to provide every step along the way. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Just, just a little faith to say, God, you're my shepherd. I'm going to fall in line. The second way that, that the shepherd keeps his sheep is he corrects his sheep. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. A, uh, a famous old favorite preacher of mine, John Jowett, said, even about this verse, he said, any time that Jesus opened his mouth, it was a, a loving and a comforting correction. Because he said, we're all sheep. And our tendency and our urge and our nature is to stray. And so anytime that Jesus opens his mouth, he's saying, hey, I want to correct you and I just want to bring you back along my path. I don't want you to, to ride away from the pack. I want you to fall in line so that I can take you places. Psalm, uh, even Psalm 23, it says, it says, uh, after, he, after David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing then he says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Because your rod and your staff, they what? They comfort me. They comfort me. So David, in, in, when he's talking about a shepherd and, and Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd, I'm this perfect shepherd, he's saying, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The staff that the shepherd would have was this long piece and at the end it was a curve. There was a curve on it. And when the shepherd would take the, when he'd take the staff, the sheep would start to stray. He would, he would throw the staff towards them by, by holding it on. And then that curve would, would start to take the sheep towards him. And it would correct the sheep's path. Now, don't get me wrong, friends. That, that curved edge, I'm sure that it hurt a little bit. But it was worth it for that sheep to get back on track. The... Um, I remember, has anybody here ever lost anything, like, significantly? I'm not talking about your keys or your wallet, because for me that happens every day. But, um, but I, remember, uh, I remember when I was, uh, I, growing up, I kind of had this, this issue with my, with my parents. And one time I brought it to them, and I said, uh, Mom and Dad, why couldn't you have had my sister, who was uh, close to eight years younger than me, so why couldn't you have had her like really close in age to me so that we could be like some of, the, some of my other friends and they have like a sibling that's really close in age so that they're like these built-in, you know, comrades or 
partners in crime. And, and my dad said, well, he said, we had you and then we waited a long time because we figured we had a built-in babysitter. <laughs> so, all right, well, thanks for that, you know. And so I remember I was like 12 years old and I'm, I'm, I'm at home watching my sister in the summer while my parents are at work. And my friend's over, and we're playing video games in my bedroom. And, and I go up to get a snack in the kitchen, and I notice that my sister's not in the playroom that she usually was. So I'm like, all right, well, she must be in her bedroom, so let me go check on her. She's not in her bedroom. And I said, oh, maybe the living room. Not in the living room. Okay, she must be on the back porch. Not on the back porch. So I say, hey, uh, I go back to my bedroom. Hey, uh, have you seen Corey? And my friend says, no, I've been right here. And I said, all right. Um, and he, he looks at me, he says, is she, like, missing? I say, I, I think so. And so he gets more panicked than I was, which was great because I was trying not to, I was trying to play it cool. And so we started this mini search party and, and we went to the backyard and she wasn't there. And we went to the basement and she wasn't there. And my house was next to a school that had its own playground and she wasn't at the playground. And we look up and down the alley and she's not there. And so calmly I go to the second floor uh, apartment that our, uh, we had friends at and, and knock on the back door. Uh, and, uh, and they open the door, and I say, Mr. Psyche, uh, any chance that you've seen Corey? He says, uh, no. Uh, is you looking for her? I said, no, 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 no problem, no problem. <laughs> so I go downstairs, and I'm planning this phone call to my parents to say Corey's missing. And I'm starting to plan uh, where I'm going to live for the rest of my life after I get kicked <laughs> out. And... Um, I'm planning a job so that I can keep buying, you know, Pokemon cards and all the stuff that's all the necessities of a 12-year-old. And, and so I grabbed the cordless phone. You remember, the, like, the cordless phones? Not, the cell phones were not, yet, were not yet. So we had, like, the, the, the real house phones, but then we are like, advanced because we had this cordless phone that you could take, like, around the house. And so I take the cordless phone, and I, I had this habit so that my parents wouldn't eavesdrop on my conversations of going outside and talking on the phone. And so I take the cordless phone, and I go to the front porch, and I'm dialing the number, and there my sister is on the porch swing without a care in the world just swinging back and forth, talking to herself. And I grabbed her and I said, Corey, there you are. We found you. And I said, hey, hey, Devin, we found her. We found her. And, and there was not a moment where we were like, Corey, you shouldn't have done that. Or we were angry or we were saying, hey, I'm upset at you. You're never going to do this again. I'm never going to watch you again. It was no. I am so relieved and excited. And we were like, let's go get ice cream. We're, we are good. You know, Jesus when he corrects you, when Jesus offers you correction, it's not because he's upset at you. He's saying, hey, I want you to fall in line with the plan that I have for you because it's so much better than you could ever create for yourself. I want you to be part of my sheep pen. I want you to be part of this beautiful thing that I have for you. So here, let me just guide you here because I know you can't see well. Because I know that you're, that you're, that, that you're not thinking right or, or because you don't see this. I want you to fall in line. And then when you come back, he is celebrating. The prodigal son is a story of the father celebrating the lost son coming home. Jesus says that he, 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 he leaves the 99 and he go gets the one. 
He is, he's, his mission is to keep his sheep. He's, he wants to keep you. The problem is that a lot of us, we hear correction. We, uh, we don't like to be corrected when we love our mistake. A lot of times we, we fall in love with our mistake without realizing it's a mistake, but, but we, don't wanna, we don't want that correction because we don't want to be corrected. We, we don't want our mistake to be a mistake. I was riding my bike with a friend of mine the other day, and, and I had, uh, previously I had had headphones on, and so I couldn't hear really much of anything, but I was like, man, my bike seems slow today. And we get on the bike, and he says, right away, he said, hey, something's rubbing against your, your wheel. And I look, and my, he said, I think it's your brake. And my wheel was rubbing against my brake, and it was like slowing. It was like double, I was doing double the work that I needed to. And so I didn't just ride home with my, with my brake and my wheel rubbing against each other, making it harder. No, I was like, oh, that's a mistake. I put my wheel on wrong. I need to fix that. We have, we, have, we have wheels rubbing against brakes in our lives, and we don't want to accept God's correction saying, hey, I want you to ride faster. I want you to pedal easier. But Jesus is saying, hey, I have this for you. I just want you to accept it. You know, the, in Psalm 23, it says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, even though I walk through the darkest valley. So if you, if you, if you look at that verse and you think about that verse, David's saying, I'm walking through this dark valley. And so what it, it says, your, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So, so if I'm David and I'm walking through this valley, well, that doesn't mean, like God would not allow that, that thing, in the, that verse in the Bible to be said like that if he intended us to camp out in the valley. He wouldn't, he wouldn't say it like that if he wanted us to sit and stop and smell the roses in the valley. No, but, but sometimes we don't want to accept the correction of the shepherd, and so we're walking through the valley and the discouragement of the valley. And if, if, if you want to hear a message about discouragement, look up uh, Pastor Dave's message from the second service today. It's incredible. And you look and you say, God, you don't want me to stay in discouragement. You want me to walk through the valley. You don't want me to, to camp out in the valley. You don't want me to, to stop here and, and to start a whole new life in the valley. No, you want me to walk through. And how do I walk through? Well, there's a shepherd walking with me. There's a shepherd who's walking with me and his rod and his, his staff, they, they comfort me. You know, I, last thing about this, but I, uh, I've just been, I've been praying recently differently and I've said, God, um, you know, this is, this is a place of, Chicago Tabernacle is a place of becoming. In the last couple of weeks, I've made a conscious effort that every time I walk through the doors, I say, God, you're, this is a place of becoming. You're a God who helps people become. And God, what do you want me to become today? What do you, what do you want me to become in this season? And recently, I've, I've felt like God's been saying, hey, I want you to become, and I've had this urgency to become a man who obeys the first time. You know, as sheep, we can say, because we can't see all that far, we can't see all that well, we say, God, I'll obey completely when I understand completely. But God says, no, no, I want you to obey completely the first time. 
I want you to be excited to obey. I want you to be passionate to obey. I want you to be purposeful in obeying because I want, be, and, and I'm like, God, I want to be a man who obeys the first time. I don't, I don't need to, to hear it four times, you know? Um, if you've ever seen the, when I was in, when I was teaching in children's ministry in CT's Playhouse, uh, we used to have this, um, there would be this, in children's ministry, there's this common image of Jesus, the good shepherd, carrying the lamb on his shoulders. And I used to see that, and I was like, oh, that's nice. You know, the kids see that, that you know, he carries the sheep and, and that it's effortless and all this stuff. And, and then I found out that when, when sheep are really stubborn and they keep wandering and keep wandering and keep wandering, the shepherd goes and finds the sheep and he breaks its legs. And then he carries it back. And so then I saw that image, I said, well, that lamb's not just being carried. That lamb's legs are broke. <laughs> I can't show that to the kids. How do I explain that? <laughs> but can I tell you, I would rather have broken legs than lose my soul. I would rather my legs hurt than my heart be gone. I'd rather lose my legs than lose my life. So, God, I don't have to understand completely to obey immediately anymore. God, help me with that. And the third thing, and, and I'll be quick with this, but the good shepherd, he protects his sheep. The good shepherd protects his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and not a good shepherd and cares nothing for the sheep. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay down my life and authority to take it up again. The good shepherd, he protects his sheep at all costs. The hired hand, he lacks commitment. He lacks, he lacks concern for the sheep, but Jesus says, no, no, I'm committed to you, and I, I have concern for you, and so I am going to protect you at all costs. You know, Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm not a hired hand. And so I was like, I was like man, that, that makes a difference when Jesus says that because he's saying, hey, I've, I've created these sheep, and I own these sheep. This is not just like a, a, an on-the-hour job for me, you know? It's the difference, it, imagine yourself as five or six years old, it's the difference between getting in an Uber and your parents driving you to school. Your parents, they care about every step of the way. They're saying, hey, are you gonna get in the door okay? Do you have everything that you need? Put on your seatbelt. What kind of music do you want? And, and Jesus is saying, I'm concerned about every step of the way and, then, and I am going to protect you. The wolves might come, I am going to protect you. The thief might come, I am going to protect you. They might come and try and attack you and intimidate you, but no, I am the good shepherd. I'm walking through the valley with you, and, and I'm going to protect you. The Bible says, even Psalm 23, it says, you prepare a table before, my, before me before my enemies. You prepare a table before me for my enemies. So he doesn't want you to camp out and like sit down and have a three-hour Italian meal in the valley. But he's saying, no, no, you're gonna, I'm going to prepare a table before you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you provision even in the valley. And I'm going to fend off all of your enemies. You ever, I've, I've never run a marathon and I probably never will. 
Um, but, but I have friends who run the marathon and they say that they run and they run and they run and people just hand them bananas like along the way and they just, they just fill and, and, and then they keep going and they keep going. And if you're going through a valley today, just keep going. Just keep walking. Keep, if, you can't, if you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. But just keep moving and God is going to feed you along the way. God is going to give you what you need to get out of the valley along the way. I, uh, I was recently out of town and I, um, I walked into my hotel room and I, as I was getting my stuff situated, I turned on the TV and uh, there was a show about cobras and um, I am not afraid of anything more than mice and snakes. And there was this show about cobras, they had these, they had these snake charmers like in one of these countries in the deserts. And the snake charmer's there, and he's got this pole, and the cobra's just dancing, and he's right in front of it. And I'm like, man, that dude is bad. Like, he is, he's brave, and he's just doing that right there. And I was just waiting. Like, I didn't want to see it, but I wanted to wait to see the cobra just attack him. And so I'm watching, and I'm watching, and I'm watching. And then, and then at the end, I find out they say that those cobras, their mouths are glued shut. I'm like, what a scam. But, but isn't that the way that God leads us through the valley and he protects us? Like, look, Jesus, he, he doesn't need to, to stomp on the enemy's foot. He doesn't need to stomp on the enemy's face. Now he's already done it by, by, by going on the cross. It says, I laid down my life, but I'm going to take it up again. He's taken his life up again. He's defeated those enemies. The only thing that the enemy can do while you're in the valley is they might intimidate you. When I watched that show, those cobras, they were intimidating. He may, he's shut their mouth so they can't bite you, but he hasn't shut their mouth enough so that they can't lie to you because the enemy will try to lie to you. He'll try to deceive you. He'll try and blame you. He'll try and put shame and guilt upon you, but that's all they can do. They can't touch you. They can't bite. They're all bark and no bite. So when you're walking through the, through the valley and God is giving you provision, all you have to do is just keep walking, keep walking, stay and draft behind the shepherd because he's going to lead you out. The um, last thing, and then we'll close, but I, I saw this a couple months ago. Um, spring training baseball game in March. There was a, the Braves were playing the Pirates, I think, and there was a kid, and it was his birthday. He was eight or nine years old. And he was, uh, they had really good seats, and his father had brought him, and he's having so much fun that he says, it was his first game. He says, Dad, can I use your phone? I want to I wanna send Mom a picture, picture and show her how much fun we're having. And so he's showing, he's, he's texting his mom, and his head is down. And as his head is down, uh, the batter's at the, at the plate, and the batter swings, and he lets go of the bat. And the bat is coming right at him, unbeknownst to him. And the father instinctively reaches out, and tries to grab the bat, but doesn't grab it. But because he moved over, the bat hits him and not his son. I say, God, isn't, you know, your rod, it, it comforts me. That's what the rod is. The shepherd's rod, he, he fends off the bats that are coming. The, sh the shepherd's rod, he fends off the, the wolves when they attack. And I said, God, isn't that like me? How many times do I have my head down and I don't see things right? And God, you just... 
you're hitting those bats back. You're, you're beating them back and you're protecting me. Isn't that us, people of God? We, we, we get attacked and we get attacked and sometimes we don't even realize that God is beating those back and he's protecting us, but he has a, he has a rod, he protects us. He's not a hired hand. He loves you. His eye is on you and today, even today, he's beating those back. And so, I wanna close, but, but this is how I wanna close. I wanna pray for something specific. Or we're gonna pray for something broad, but I feel like it's specific in some of our lives today. The sheep, they, they can't see, they're not smart. They're stubborn, they eat till they drop. But here's the one thing that they do have, is they have really good hearing. I believe that today, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's one person or, or it's all of us, I know that it's me, that God's saying, you know, a lot of times we say, God, speak to me. God, you've, you've been silent. God, why don't you, why aren't you, why aren't you saying this? Why aren't you, why aren't you guiding me with this? Why don't you give me an answer on this? And I feel like today God's saying, I am speaking. You just have to get closer to here. I am speaking, but there's too much noise around that you're not hearing me. And you know, sometimes the, the sheep, they scatter. And sometimes we can scatter and be so far away that we can't hear him. But sometimes we can, we can be close, but there's just too much noise around. And so I want us to pray. I want us to, we're going to sing in just a moment, but I want us to close our eyes. And, and you know what? Um, everyone, we're just going to stand right where we're at. And right where you're at, we're going to make that, that's going to be your own little prayer closet right now. And with your eyes closed, this is a moment between, between you and God. There's going to be a few moments between you and God, but we're going to start to sing. And as we start to sing, I just believe that, that, that God's looking for faith in the room to say, God, I want to draw closer so that I can hear. God, help me, help me to hear what you're saying so that, you can, so that you can provide for me and guide me where you want me to go so that, so that you can correct me where I need to, so that you can speak life into me, so that you can, so that you can protect me, oh God, from the, from the enemies that bay, so that, God, I can draft upon, upon your leading, oh God, and that, God, I don't need to strive, I don't need to try, oh God, but, God, I'm just going to ask in faith, oh God, for you to draw close, oh God. Those who seek the Lord, they lack no good thing. And so, God, today we just want to be found seeking, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, we worship you, oh God. And God, you're not just, you're not just a shepherd. You're not just a good shepherd, but you are the good shepherd, oh God. Lord, you are perfect in all of your ways, oh God. Lord, you know the plans that you have for us, oh God. So God, I pray, oh God, Lord, that as you lead us and as you guide us, oh God, we would be more aware than ever, oh God, of the leading that you have for our lives, oh God. God, I pray that you would orient, oh God, Lord, our, our hearts with yours, oh God. Lord, that we would fall in line with the shepherd's leading, oh God. And that God, we would, we wouldn't, oh God, fall into striving or trying, oh God. But Lord, we would allow ourselves, oh God, 
submitted to you, oh God. So God, we thank you that you provide for us every step, oh God, in our faith journey, oh God. Lord, as we look to you, oh God, Lord, you provide for us, you carry us through, oh God. Lord, I thank you, oh God, that when we need to, oh God, you speak life over us, oh God. Lord, you correct us, oh God. You bring us home, oh God. And God, you protect us, oh God. Lord, you have shut the enemy's mouth, oh God. God, we rebuke, oh God, any lie of the enemy. We rebuke, oh God, Lord, any scheme of the enemy, oh God. And when we say, oh God, we believe that your promises, oh God, that they are yes and amen, that you are a good, good father, oh God. So God, we love you. We say, God, if we can't hear you, oh God, help us to draw closer to you, oh God. Help us to eliminate the noise that surrounds us, oh God. So, God, we love you. We trust you. Lord, we believe that every prayer offered up to you in this room, oh God, Lord, that it's going to yield a return, oh God. Lord, that you are going to answer it, oh God. Lord, you're not a God who, who has a deaf ear, oh God, but Lord, you hear the cries of your people, oh God. And Lord, you don't just hear them, oh God, but Lord, you answer and you respond, oh God. So God, we believe it today, oh God, and we leave, oh God, encouraged and built up in your truth, in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. Come on, get up, clap.